My name is Scott Challoner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined by Dave Close from Dundee, Scotland today. He's a director of Hot Chocolate Trust, a youth work organisation based in the city of Dundee. And he also sits on the board of Creative Dundee, which works to amplify, connect and showcase creative local talent and activities to the world. So very much involved locally there. Um, Dave, a very warm welcome to you today. And by all means, thank you for joining us on the program and it's a real pleasure having you with us thank you yeah it's good to be with you yeah good to have you with us as well Dave so um, I've only provided a very kind of brief overview of uh, Hot Chocolate Trust your organization and kind of the work that you do there but just in your own words to expand for those listeners that might not be familiar with you what is it that you would say that uh, your organization really specializes in so Hot Chocolate Trust builds community with young people. Um, we're based in the city centre in Dundee, um, in a, a big old church building um, right in the city centre. And the, the, the grass area um, around the church has for generations been a, a kind of congregating point for young people from all over the city. And it's those young people that, that we work with. Um, and they tend to be young people. There's a lot of alternative culture young people. Um, who would describe themselves in all kinds of different ways, um, but with um, some would call themselves goths or emos or rats or sloths or raccoons or skaters or um, I, I don't always know um, which is which. But um, for the, the young people who um, come to hot chocolate, um, frequently there's been something that has, has kind of dislocated them in their local neighbourhood, their local peer groups, um, and they've found community in the city centre. Um, and hot chocolate uh, works alongside that. So we're not about um, creating programs um, or meeting needs of young people. We're about building relationships with them and then collaborating with them um, to meet their needs, to fulfill their ambitions, to to build fuller, richer lives. Um, So over the year, we've worked with about um, three or 400 different young people, um, as I say, from, from all over and around Dundee. Yeah, fantastic. And um, is it challenging as well trying to sort of bring different groups of young people together, especially in a period of time where we've seen quite a lot of sort of polarisation from a political perspective? Uh, Because um, you've been sort of with Hot Chocolate since about sort of early 2013, haven't you? And of course, a lot has Mm. happened since then. I mean, in Scotland, there was the... um, the independence referendum, of course, in uh, 2014. Uh, we also had the uh, the Brexit vote and the uh, resulting fallout of that. And uh, like I say, there's a lot of uh, very polarising um, sort of opinion, particularly among young people. So is that something that's kind of infiltrated the uh, the work that you do and sort of made it any more challenging, do you feel? Um, I, I don't know that it's, it's, it's made it more challenging. I mean, um, for, for young people, as for any age of people, we always have a desire both to gather um, and to distinguish ourselves. Um, so that, that that takes different forms in different um, different times and in different parts of our society. But there's always that desire to um, a, to, to to gather and build community, um, as as well as the risk of that community becoming an exclusive one. Um, and I think one of the things that's always underpinned hot chocolate is the the Christian foundations of the work, the Christian shaping of the work, which mm. um, really a, takes its, its most profound shape in 
a community that immediately welcomes and values the other person. Yeah. Yeah, that certainly makes sense uh, from my perspective. And um, as well as that, I guess it's kind of about kind of embracing the uh, the differences and the complexity, isn't it, of working with different groups when you're trying to sort of deliver on uh, social that change? Isn't a utopian thing? Yeah. Um, there's you know there's always times where um, you know some young people are in conflict with some others, and um, you know this group don't like or are afraid of that group. But there's always that opportunity to say, well. What is it that you value about being here? You value being accepted for yourself, having a safe place. Um, well, actually, that can only be true for you if everybody builds that together. And it can only be true for those young people if you build that place for them. Um, so that's that's part of the reason why we say we, we concentrate on community building rather than providing a service, because actually that core practice of um, accepting and discovering our mutual belonging um, is, is, is foundational and out of that we find that we can do so much more, we can achieve so much more, we can realise goals, we can um, find and take opportunities that otherwise just wouldn't have, wouldn't have come to any of us. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think something as well that has kind of increased our sense of community, I think it's fair to say, is the fact that we did all go through a huge challenge together over the last couple of years in the shape of the COVID-19 pandemic, no less. I mean, it was a period of time where everybody was kind of in the same boat, going through the same struggles, the same issues. And that has had a significant impact on sort of youth work and youth projects. And um, I was wondering on the ground, what are some of the impacts that you're sort of uh, seeing and um, what is kind of the legacy of the uh, the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it certainly has had a massive impact. Um, I'm not sure I would entirely agree that it's, it's, it's straightforwardly been um, one that um, brings people together. That's been mm. an aspect of it. Um, the um, a Dundee um, Food Security Network um, a talk about a same storm, different boats. Um, so um, we can't say we've all been in the same boat um, through the last few years. We've all been in the same storm. Mm. Um, but actually, um, some of us have had far better boats than others. Um, and I, I think that that applies to, to young people's experience of, of, of the pandemic. So um, for, for young people who were in work, um, they were much more likely to lose their jobs um, in 2020 and 2021. They were much more likely to be furloughed than over 25s. Um, young people who were looking for starter jobs in, in, in those years were competing against our much more experienced workers, sometimes competing against experienced workers who were on furlough, um, but taking short-term jobs elsewhere. Um, young people who were in ed- education um, experienced a massive loss in effective teaching. Um, you know, despite the efforts of schools and colleges and teachers, um, there was an undeniable loss. And, and most importantly in that, um, they lost the human social kind of peripheral interests uh, within education. So for those of us whose whose work um, you know shifted from face to face to being on Zoom, mm. we'll remember that you know one of the things we lost was the conversations that you would have going into a meeting and coming out of the room. Um, you know, all the kind of alongside stuff that wasn't possible on Zoom because you had to be 
more structured and rigorous yet, you know, um, turn taking in conversations was different. So there was a lot of peripheral stuff. Now, we could work around that. We could, you know, find other ways of connecting with our um, colleagues where we needed to, um, you know, we had more experience of how to repair those losses. For, for young people in school or in college, and especially for those, for those young people who are only just managing an education, the conversations that a, a skillful teacher has, you know, as they come into the classroom, as they're leaving, as they bump into them, the, the kind of around the edges stuff, that is what enables young people who are only just coping in school or in college to keep going um, and to succeed and to achieve. That was all um, impossible for, for long periods of the year. So there was there was huge loss there. And secondly, the, the kind of the maturation processes of, of childhood and adolescence mm. are you know, fundamental to those years of our lives. And they are principally social processes. It's social learning. And that was disrupted, devastated for the best part of two years. And so schools and colleges and youth workers and other um, people working with children and people are still working with the unfolding consequences of, of this. Um, and they will be for the next few years at least. Um, they're, they're at full stretch coping with um, all those levels of loss amongst young people, all those levels of disruption. And, and sometimes it feels like um, society and the government are acting like, you know, it's a matter of catching up on a few history topics. It's much more profound than that. And all of those factors are most extreme or the impacts of them are most extreme for young people in poverty and young people who've experienced trauma, um, you know, whether that's um, bereavement, um, a family breakdowns, abuse, exploitation, all different kinds of trauma. For those young people, the impacts of these disruptions were much, much greater. Um, so for young people where the, the risk environment for them um, was at home, then lockdowns were disastrous. Um, for young people where the risk environments were elsewhere, were outside the home, then there was a, a kind of temporary protective impact um, with, with lockdowns, but that also created time and space in which previous experiences couldn't be avoided, distracted from, numbed in the same ways. And so, um, you know, stuff bubbled to the surface at the same time as um, services were much harder to engage with. So for Hot Chocolate in our youth work um, this year in 2022, you know, when, when we were all thinking, phew, we've, we've got through that, um, our youth work has cubed this year. We've had more young people engaging than ever before. The prevalence of complex needs across um, those young people has been greater than, than previously. And the severity of those complex needs has been greater. Um, so across um, our bit of um, the, 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 the world, but um, you know, we hear this um, speaking to, to other youth workers, to schools and, and so on. We're seeing more complex needs, more mental distress, and less effective containment of that distress for young people, partly because all of us everywhere are at full stretch. Um, you know, we're, we're coping, we're hanging on, we're coming into um, you know, the, the threats of um, a cost of living crisis that mm. is scary. Um, so 
for young people who who need that experience of containment. They 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 can um, withstand um, traumatic experiences better if they've got that sense that someone's with them and we can get through this together. But that's that's not what life feels like for for a lot of people at the moment. Um, and you know, in terms of of government, I, I personally believe that whatever you think of the individual policies of of the UK government over the last few years, they've, they've shown a consistent inability to care, to embody um, a, a, a caring leadership. And and frankly, more and more people feel abandoned. Um, and that experience of abandonment has a devastating impact for children and young people. Um, you know, ask any professional working with them. So there's, there's um, both the disruptions of um, this pandemic, the disproportionate impacts um, upon young people, um, and the, the context around that of, well, how do we how do we get through this? Um, and it's um, it, it it doesn't feel equal um, across society. I would say. Yeah, I'm pleased you mentioned the sort of same storm, different boats quote there, because the pandemic mm. has revealed some incredible sort of social inequalities that were underlying there. And um, I think you're very, yeah. very right in the sense that from government, there seems to be some kind of acknowledgement of the various issues that the lockdown created, but maybe a lack of sort of real understanding as to sort of what it's going to take to deal with that effectively. And as sort of Liz Trust takes office, of course, the immediate cost of living crisis is going to be her priority. But dealing with the legacy of COVID is going to be massive. And I think that what's exacerbated the impact on young people as well is that it's almost been very much out of the frying pan and into the fire, hasn't it? We've come out, we've come out of the pandemic and we've come out of social restrictions. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in this incredible inflationary situation where there's a war in Eastern Europe, prices are going up and uh, there's obviously the worry about whether you're going to be able to afford to heat your home. So like there's been yeah. no sort of, um, there's been no respite, has there? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I agree. And, um, and, and such disruption, um, you know, within government, um, yeah, well, we've had three prime ministers in um, in four years, is it? Um, mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's, there's is, is it the same government um, that we've had for for twelve years, or or is it a completely different government? Um, there's a you know, there's there's no clarity around that. So there's there's a sense of of churn, of turmoil, of anything could could happen. Um, and if you're secure in your own resources, um, then you know, we can withstand that and, and take a view on it. Um, but if you if you're not, and you know, um, it, this is where children and young people um, experience it differently, um, then, then then that's a harder thing to take. And that's all in the in the context of um, you know, the generational threat of climate crisis um, mm. and the and the, the slight catch twenty two of, of of that for for young people is um, a at, at one and the same time feeling this is a massive thing that we're going to um, to, to face more profoundly than anyone else, um, but have very little power to do anything about it. Um, and then when people talk to young people about the climate crisis, they often say things like, "Oh well, you know, you give us hope." Um, 
uh, you know, you'll, you'll be the ones to sort this out. And on, on, on one level, I can understand that because um, young people's responses to the climate crisis have shown leadership and um, a and value. But it's a bit of a dirty trick to play um, to say mm. to, to to young people, "Oh, we're relying on you," because <laughs> that that just you know um, exacerbates that that sense of um, the the depth of this challenge and the. Mm. Um, the, the paucity of, of, of actual power that they have. Yeah, it's shirking the responsibility, isn't it, and sort of putting it all upon the uh, the younger generations. And um, it's it's difficult to sort of rely on a younger generation to deliver the sort of enterprise and the innovation necessary to deal with something of that scale when, you yeah. know, they are facing the impact of sort of what's been thrust upon them over the last couple of years, I mean, it's uh, they're, they're obviously they're, they're struggling very much um, in the aftermath of the uh, the pandemic, and there's some incredible sort of potential there in the younger generations. Um, presumably, yeah. uh, certainly, of course, with the um, with the young people that you're working with, and obviously fostering that and trying to uh, sort of get them to fulfil their potential in the current climate that we're in at the moment. I mean, that that's a challenge in yeah. itself, isn't it? And it has to be dealt with very sensitively. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and I, and I think you used exactly the the right word um, when you said fostering, um, because I think the, um, the 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 way forward with this um, is through understanding, um, making positive change um, th- through words like fostering, um, like growing in the sense of um, a you know horticultural growing. Um, a it's it's got to be about um, actually accepting the complexity of what is in front of us um, and meeting that complexity with fully human um, approaches. Um, so by fully human, I mean um, approaches that begin in relationship. Um, a whether that's a you know collaborative uh, approaches um, between individuals, between agencies, um, in communities, um, and also which accept that a, we cannot control what is in front of us. I think there's a, there's a profound temptation to want to control um, what happens. And to be fair to our, our governments, I think um, as a society, um, we we keep um, putting on them um, a kind of expectation that they should be in control, and actually, what you know, what we saw with the pandemic, what we see writ large with the climate crisis, um, what we see even with you know international economics is um, <laughs> there's not that much um, that that we can control. Um, so I think it's Stephen Covey. Um, Kind of um, had a, a model where you think about um, spheres going out from myself, and and you know in this in the first sphere is the things that I can control, and in the second sphere beyond that is the things that I can influence, and in the third sphere beyond that is things that um, I have concern for um, but don't have control or influence over, and I think we spend an awful lot of time trying to drag things into a kind of control circle um, because yeah. we think we, we need to be in control. And that's, that, that's actually wasted time, wasted effort, because a lot of those things properly <laughs> belong out with our control 
but we could be working to influence them. We could be working to shape them. Um, and a, if we were working with others um, to build that influence, um, rather than trying to drag them into our control, we would find partners, we would find collaborators, we would get further faster than spending our time thinking, well, we've got to sort this out and only us, um, and everybody gets defensive and um, you know, the, the, the impact starts to fragment. So we have to be prepared to meet that complexity with um, an openness and a, and, and a a, a desire to collaborate um, is, is actually the, you know, the, the most kind of hard-nosed response. It sounds um, a you know like the kind of thing that gets characterised as um, you know woolly or utopian. But actually, if we're serious about making social change, we have to accept that even one person is mysteriously complex. As soon as we've got more than one person involved, um, you know, this is this is beyond what we can. Um, simply controlled, but if we can bring our resources and power to bear with theirs, um, and that's what you know, we're doing each time we meet a young person, we're not fixing anything for them, we're not solving anything for them, we're coming alongside them, and we will mobilize all of our power and resources, and we will expect them to mobilize all of theirs, and that's when we can get somewhere. But that's really counterintuitive for lots of young people because that's right. not what they experience in most settings. Um, they experience themselves as either being on their own or um, a, having to fit, conform, comply, receive, do what they're told. Um, and, and, and that doesn't get us anywhere. And, and it doesn't on a societal level either. It doesn't, you're absolutely right. And I think it kind of goes back to leadership, doesn't it? I mean, it's like leaders aren't there to yeah. essentially be yeah. the judge, jury and execution. I mean, they are there yeah. to be challenged and also to challenge. I mean, it's very much a two-way street. You have to sort of ask dif- difficult questions the one way and also the other as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love um, the the Grub Institute, um, which I don't think exists anymore, but um Organizational Development Institute that had a, a definition of leadership. Um, they called leadership revealed meaning embodied in action. And it's that dual process of um, actually drawing meaning out of the, the situation that we're in um, and embodying that in action. And if we can think about leadership in those terms rather than in terms of brute power or hierarchy or um, control, then actually we exercise a, a kind of leadership which others join with um, and which others begin to, um, to to take up in their own right. Um, one of the things in, in Hot Chocolate that we work hard on is that leadership is a, is a dispersed thing. Um, we expect leadership right across the organization. Um, there are some people whose roles um, will um, expect it and, and demand it in particular ways. Um, but we expect young people to lead. We expect volunteers to lead. We expect every youth worker to lead. It's not um, coming down from me as executive director um, because actually expressing leadership in that sense is looking at the, the situation that we're in, thinking about the purpose that we're here for um, and a, you know, pulling out the meanings and embodying that in action. Um, and, and, and that's a... A, a dynamic um, a 
generation of, of, of leadership that, that is really exciting. You know, we can mm, yeah. we can travel travel a mile and be um, you know sure and able to prove that it was entirely what I did, or we can travel a hundred miles um, and it'll be a bit bumpy um, and we'll we'll make some mistakes, but that hundred miles is generated by all the, the, the people in the youth work community of hot chocolate. Um, you know, again, if we want to, if we're serious about um, making change in complex and challenging situations, we get further and faster if we can work out those um, those principles um, and those skill sets that enable us to, to meet that complexity rather than trying to chunk off one bit of it that we can control and say, well, we'll fix that. Um, we, we, we need more than that, I think. Yeah, absolutely right. And it's food for thought for anybody tuning into this particular podcast today, isn't it? And uh, for anybody as well that wants to find out a little bit more about Dave's organisation, Hot Chocolate, and the work that it does. Um, you do you have a website, don't you, Dave? Hotchocolate.org.uk for those that do want to find out more. Yep, that's right. That's right. Yep, fantastic. So do give that website a visit. And um, if you are sort of... Um, empowered to uh, to speak out about any of the issues that we uh, that we have talked about today and you do want to leave a comment on this particular podcast then uh, you are able to uh, to do so uh, just submit that to us via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us um, or if you are the head of your own organization or run your own business and you have your own story to share either linked or unlinked to the issues that we've also covered today then by all means you can come onto the program to share your story um, and apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply as well something else to consider there um for now um it's been an absolute pleasure welcoming dave close from the hot chocolate trust onto today's program it's been brilliant uh, hearing you speak about some of the challenges that you've been facing and what we need to uh, to do in future dave and uh, i think it would be great over the course of the year uh, the next year to maybe even catch up and have you back on the program just to see how things are all coming together for you yep yeah, I'd love to do that, Scott, and really appreciate the, the chance to speak with you today. Yeah, fantastic, and I appreciate your coming on as well. And uh, just before we do say goodbye, if we do think about the uh, the next 12 months, um, given the uh, the climate that we're in, what are some of the uh, the milestones and the goals for this uh, for this next year coming up? Um, <laughs> a getting through it together. Um, I think a, you know, there are... <laughs> We, we haven't seen the start of it. Um, there are, there are going to be people um, facing destitution um, in, in Britain, um, and that's more, more than um, you know in any recent years, and that is going to take government action. It's going to take local government action. It's going to take um, charities. It's going to take neighbours. Um, it's going to take families. To, to to get through that, um, a, there there isn't a there isn't a, a simple solution to that. But um, yeah, if 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 each of us as individuals, as organisations, as families, as communities can be looking out for for someone else, can be doing a bit more um, to reach out, especially those of us who have got a bit more to give, um, then then give it because. It's, it's going to be needed um, in the next six to 12 months in a way that, that, yeah. that we've not seen for a long time in this country. Absolutely right. It's uh, The onus is on everybody to play their part. I think that's uh, very, very true. 
Um, Dave, once again, thank you for joining us on the programme today. And uh, by all means, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on. And I'm sure we'll speak again on the programme very soon indeed. Brilliant. Thank you. And to all tuning into this particular podcast, uh, just to remind you, you can, of course, uh, visit uh, hotchocolate.org.uk if you did want to find out a little bit more about Dave's organisation. And to you all, I do hope that you've thoroughly enjoyed the interview with the Hot Chocolate Trust's Dave Close and myself, your host, Scott Challoner, today on this episode of the Leaders' Council podcast. Um, Until next time, everybody, please do take care and goodbye.